This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Skate Podcast, talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some beast talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome into episode 200 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. Well, if it couldn't get any worse for the Bruins this postseason since being eliminated, not only did the team that upset them in the first round make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, but old friend Bruce Cassidy seems to be doing just okay after being fired last year because now he's off to the Stanley Cup Finals with the Vegas Golden Knights. So we have Vegas versus Florida in the Stanley Cup Finals. What are your initial takeaways, Bridget and Scott, on that matchup and the storylines that it brings upon us? I mean, it's certainly interesting. It's, you know, two teams that haven't won a cup. Vegas obviously got there their first year and you know other than last year have been a playoff team every year but looking for that first win and obviously the local angle of Bruce Cassidy um you know after coming up short in 2019 not winning one during his time in Boston going for it uh Florida you know they only made it there once way back in 1996 so um you know Florida, look, like it's a market that kind of always gets mocked. You know, they don't have the best regular season crowds, but they obviously come out in the playoffs. You know, if you've people have watched their games, whether the Bruins series or anything since then, um, you know, they've had some great crowds down there. So two untraditional markets, but, um, you know, I'm sure Gary Bettman loves that. He loves, you know, expansion teams, Southern teams succeeding because that's sort of a big part of his legacy tv wise i'm sure you know it's not going to be great uh vegas pretty good tv market but florida panthers not so much um yeah i think it's gonna be interesting because it's two two deep offensive teams so i feel like it we could get some exciting games like it could be pretty high scoring but both teams have also had goalies who have really stepped up you know bobrovsky's been on fire Aiden Hill kind of emerged from what was like a three or four man rotation platoon in Vegas. And he's sort of taken the ball and run with it and, and been the hot hand. Um, you know, I was looking at like into like some numbers and it's that there's just like some weird stuff where you're like, huh? Like I wouldn't really, you wouldn't really expect teams that have come this far to be, to have like glaring flaws, but Vegas their penalty kill has been awful this postseason. It's like 65%. Florida's power play has been very good. So you look at that as like a something that could swing the series. Florida defensively has not really been great. They've given up 37 shots on goal per game. Now, some of that's skewed a little bit by the fact that they've played a bunch of overtime games. But, you know, you kind of feel like if Bobrovsky doesn't stay hot, doesn't hold up at the level he's been at, um, you know, that could be could be a recipe for trouble against a team that's as deep offensively as Vegas is. So those are kind of my initial thoughts. It's just I, I think it could be a pretty exciting series. I think there should be a lot of chances, a lot of goals, I, you know. Um, so maybe not big markets, but could be pretty entertaining hockey. What do you what do you guys think of the coaching matchup? Like you, you mentioned the the fact that there's some glaring flaws on both of the teams, but like, does either of these do either of these coaches have a advantage there? 
because we saw we saw Paul Maurice go through the playoffs and make some really good decisions. And we, I mean, in Boston, know what kind of a coach Cassidy can be, um, trying to move his pieces the right way. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the the coaching matchup. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would give an edge to Cassidy. Um, kind of playing off what I talked about, you know, if both of these teams can get it done offensively, I still trust Cassidy more to get his team to play enough defense. Um, you know, Paul Maurice's teams historically have not been great defensively, and I, even though they've gotten this far, I still don't think this Panthers team is great defensively. Um, they've done enough to to get by obviously and keep winning, but I think they've done that with offense and goaltending. So maybe just in that respect, I'd give an edge to Cassidy. Like he, you know, if it, if things do get a little chaotic and and high scoring, like he might be able to get his team to settle down and lock in defensively um, quicker or, you know, a little better than Maurice might. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Paul Maurice has done a really good job. Like he, took a team that was out of the playoffs on trade deadline day and had them playing really good hockey down the stretch and now just rolling through the playoffs. Yeah. And, and I, I think that it's, it's kind of an interesting angle too. I, I saw this the other day that um, both of these teams have these young American born leaders with Kachuk and Eichel. Um, both of those guys during the regular season led both of those teams in in points and you see how big of a difference Kachuk is able to make. I, it's not something I think about a lot. Like, okay, this is an American born versus like a Canadian Russian, like a leader of the team. But um, I guess can he, uh, American hockey and, and, you know, for Kachuk, it wasn't college hockey. It was uh, the OHL, I think. Right. But for Eichel, he comes through Boston and uh, just how, American hockey has, has kind of grown and you see these two younger guys stepping up and um, both of them in positions to make a, make a run here and make an impact on what could be a Stanley cup winning playoffs. Yeah. As far as the coaching question goes, I would agree uh, about Cassidy. I just feel, I look at the teams that each had to play to get here. And while on paper, you would think that Florida had to do it a uh, immaculate job defensively against the Bruins to beat them. The Bruins weren't the Bruins in that series. I, I didn't feel that Florida won that series on incredibly stout defense. I think the Bruins, in fact, like shot themselves in the foot and there were, there were some high scoring games in that series. Toronto, they just, Toronto just didn't have the, their offense just wasn't going in that series. And that's because, again, it didn't think it was because of Florida. I think that Florida just, uh, Toronto just can't get out of their own way. And, they just I, they're a little, little too soft with some important players. And in Carolina, they're a great team, but they're missing how many offensive guys up front. So Florida's kind of gotten to the Stanley Cup Finals based on opportunistic scoring and swag and work ethic, but not because of a totally stout defensive system. Where I, I look at the Golden Knights and I think, well, they played uh, – they had, they had to get through McDavid and, the, and, and Drysaddle and the Oilers, and they shut them down. They obviously shut down a, a, a Stars team that has a ton of offensive power as well. And I just think there's a little bit more structural structural buy-in defensively with Vegas, perhaps. And I, I, like, I like their decor better, personnel-wise. So, yeah, I, I think I think Cassidy probably has a the edge in coaching. And, 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 and I would give Vegas the edge in the series overall. It's just that keep, keep, keep betting against Florida, right? I mean... I mean, they're they're all for that. They've been they've been cashing that chip all playoffs. They don't mind being the underdog, and they certainly have the most swagger of any team in the playoffs right now, and just mojo. So Matthew Kachuk can obviously he can stir things up and get under Vegas' skin. We've seen Sim Bennett do it against Boston. So uh, it, it's going to be. A, I, I think you're right, Scott. It's going to be a fun series. Bridget, to your point, Eichel versus Kachuk. One of those two will be a first time Stanley Cup champion, um, and potentially con Smythe winner. So uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good series and yeah, one of them will be walking away with their first fran- uh, Stanley cup in franchise history. Yeah. And also another, you know, interesting thing to watch first Stanley cup final on TNT. Um, and they 
can and should lean into that American angle. You know, the American stars leading the way. Um, if people saw it, Matthew Kachuk was on inside the NBA with, uh, you know, Charles Barkley, Shaq, that, that whole crew, uh, before one of the Celtics games, uh, Celtics heat games down in Miami. Yeah. I think it was game six. Yeah. And it's like, that's great. Like that, you know, that's obviously besides the games themselves, that's the biggest show on TNT. So to get him on there and like, you know, Kachuk is one of the rare hockey stars that actually does have like a good personality and can joke around with those guys while he's on there. So that was good. Um, I would expect him to be kind of all over this series in terms of being the face of it. And then obviously Eichel on, on the other side um, and local connections with those two as well. Like obviously Eichel from Chelmsford went to BU uh, Kachuk, you know, his dad is from Boston, went to BU Keith Kachuk brother Brady went to BU. So, you know, pretty big series for uh, the, the Terriers family as well, but local connections with the Scott family, with both of those the, the guys Scott's yeah. family right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's funny. Like when I was watching, I mean, obviously we don't want to talk about the Celtics, uh, but, but it's so funny to see Tatum and Kachuk in the same class. I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen that video of them when they were like, I don't know, they look like they were like 14 or 15 years old. They were young and, it's just weird that they both went to the same school and were like friends. And then they're both, they both were um, both of their teams were making deep runs. Both the guys were high draft picks, first round draft picks in, in their sports. And it was just kind of funny to see uh, that, but to, to one of Brian's points, I think this was your point. Uh, one of our, one of our comments on our YouTube last week about the Panthers was that um, they're a silly team. <laughs> like it was, Basically, he was saying they're not complete. It's silly. Like this, this is just silly. Like how they're how they've been able to do this um, with an incomplete team, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know we've touched on it before, but like they basically don't have a fourth line, or at least not one that accomplishes a whole lot of anything on the ice. Uh, I still, I really still don't think it's a great defensive core, like. You know, the left a left side of Forsling, Mark Stahl, and Josh Mahura shouldn't really be good enough to go on a deep run. But if you get enough, enough other things clicking, like Matthew Kachuk, you know, taking over as a star and, and really leading the way. Yeah, but see. Goaltending, Sergei Bobrovsky being great. It's like, you know, some, sometimes you don't need a whole lot more beyond that. Like, it only takes a few guys, like, really just having – terrific runs to kind of take over and then obviously you need some luck i mean they're what six and oh in overtime games like you you don't expect that you you expect to lose one or two of those at some point but they haven't so yeah if everything else kind of everything else kind of comes together you can overcome not being a, a complete roster well it's just that usually it takes a complete team effort to win a stanley cup <laughs> so when when you do just rely on a few guys, not, not that they like solely rely on Kachuk, but he's been a huge part in how they've been able to win, especially some of those overtime games. Um, and Bobrovsky, obviously a different story being the goalie, but usually you need a pretty full team effort to make it this far. Um, and we'll see if Vegas is a team that can actually take advantage and, and pull that apart a little. Vegas has also been a high scoring team. Um, and they, they obviously had that series extended against Dallas. They they almost had a chance to sweep the same way that Florida did to Carolina, but um, could be yeah an interesting series because I think both of these teams can score, and the defensive parts of their team are not as strong, so it, it will make for an interesting final. Unless you will see we see another game out of Bobrovsky where he pulls off a shutout and he just has an incredible game. So that's, that series is going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. And again, I think it's reaffirmation as to just how colossal of a, of a, of a collapse it was for Boston because the Bruins had, had depth out the wazoo. They were deep at every position, every line, every D pair, healthy scratches in goal, 
they had everything that Florida didn't have on paper, but Florida brought some intangibles that you can't see on a, on a, on a game day roster. And, and that's why they get all the credit in the world. And that's why the Bruins should be hanging their heads until, I don't know, forever. So um, yeah, Florida's Florida's not the stereotypical Stanley cup roster. We've talked about that for, for almost two months now, but you know what? Don't tell them that. So Again, Vegas does have a cup, a cup roster, I think, in the, the opinion of us and many. So we'll see if Florida can once again pull it off. I mean, I hate to be that guy, but I, I, I would bet against Florida in the series. I, I do think Vegas is probably going to win the Stanley Cup final. I don't know if you guys had a quick prediction on who wins. Yeah, I'll, I'll say Vegas in seven. Like, I, I think it could be a long series, but I do, I do think Vegas is, you know, a little bit more of a complete team. Um, but it's close. Like I mentioned, you know, what happens if Bobrovsky goes cold? Well, what happens if Vegas's goaltending falls apart again? Because there have been several stretches this season where they have not gotten very good goaltending and have really, really struggled to find the guy. So, you know, like, I don't know if I trust Aiden Hill staying hot for a Stanley cup final. That's a guy who didn't have much of a track record was kind of just a backup bouncing around. Um, so, you know, that could doom them. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take Vegas in seven. I think that's more likely that Hill goes quiet rather than Bobrovsky at this point. But I, I, I agree with you, Scott, because I don't think either of these teams would ever roll over. So it's going to be a long series. I think we've seen that the Panthers can push and extend series even if they get in a hole early. Um and we've also seen them play from out in front of series and just bury teams. But I do think it's going to go seven. And I, I do find that I like Vegas's team better. Uh, but I say when you make it to a game seven, you could just have another Mackachuk goal with two seconds left or whatever it may be when it comes down to game seven. It's really up in the air. But I do, if you're asking, I do think that Vegas has the better team and I think the better coaching. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, Bridget, you mentioned Matthew Kachuk. Scott, would you like to, at this point, bring up a question that I think it was Scott and Lowell sent to us? <laughs> yeah, well, so I was just thinking about that, and I feel like it's popped up a couple times, but obviously Florida has benefited greatly from the trade to get Matthew Kachuk last year. Um, you know, he did completely change that, that team and has stepped up in the playoffs and they had to give up a lot to get him. They traded Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, I'll say like a mid tier prospect. The prospect wasn't much, but, and a first round pick, um, you know, if you look back in theory, like the Bruins are another team that could have been in the position to consider that trade and it would have been David Pasternak involved because Huberto had one year left. Pasternak had one year left at that point, obviously had not yet signed his extension last summer. Uh, Kachuk was the restricted free agent. I think Pasternak's better than Huberto, so you probably wouldn't have had to give up as much in addition. But I'm just curious because I feel like other people have maybe even at the time, but certainly now have said, you know, the Bruins should have done something like that. Do you guys think go back to last summer with hindsight, should the Bruins have traded David Pasternak for Matthew Kachuk? With hindsight, like, or like, 
See, definitely in hindsight, they should have done it if they couldn't have extended pasta this season. <laughs> then this would be a completely, this would be like a no-brainer. Yes, obviously, you should have gotten some value for Pasternak when you could, but uh, the fact that Sweeney was able to sign him during the season makes it a different conversation, and it kind of makes it more about um, just whether or not you like Pasternak better than Kachuk for the long haul. Um, it's tough because I don't think anybody would say that they'd want to see Pasta go. In fact, it was a huge topic of conversation this past off season, during the season, um, and it was a big deal when the Bruins were able to sign him back. So it's interesting, and I think with hindsight, it you see these are two very different style of players. Uh, there's not much that about Kachuk's personality that's similar to. Pasternak's personality. Um, so when I saw the text from Scotty and Lowell, Scott Scott's sending us our own mailbag questions at this point. <laughs> the mailbag is coming from inside the house, but uh, I I think it would have been too big of a risk to do. I think that as as much as Kachuk has really started to bloom, and we always knew he had great potential and was probably stuck in a not so great situation when he was up in Calgary, but uh, I still don't think you trade Boston up for him. I still just think in hindsight, you see how well Kachuk's playing in the playoffs, but it's, that's a hard choice to make right there. It's a fascinating question. It's of course, it's a recency bias type of question where you look at Matthew Kachuk and what he's doing and how integral he was in beating Boston and Toronto and Carolina and en route to a Stanley Cup final here. He is two years younger than Pasternak. And he, but they, they play such different styles. I guess for me, it's like, I just don't, David Pasternak wasn't, he wasn't the problem for the Boston Bruins this year. All he did was score 61 goals and give him a 3-2 lead or a 4-3 lead, whatever it was, 3-2 lead with, nine minutes to go in game seven of the first round series. By the way, a game winning goal that would have, that could have stood and eliminated Matthew Kachuk from the playoffs. If Matthew Kachuk is on this Boston Bruins team this year and David Pasternak is on the Florida Panthers, like do the Bruins win that series? I guess that maybe that's like the way to kind of look at it. Well, not really. Well, yeah, I mean, well, no, cause um, Pasternak would be where in Calgary. Yeah. But let's just but let's just say like hypothetically like you know if we're comparing the players right like the Bruins defense totally fell apart in the series like their defensive structure was terrible so I would love somebody like Matthew Kachuk on the Bruins I think they kind of have a similar type player in Tyler Bertuzzi going forward not not Kachuk level okay but they have like a a knockoff brand of Matthew Kachuk if they were to resign Bertuzzi so. Um, but if we're going back a time a year ago, right, that's the question. The, the answer is no, because at the time, Matthew Kachuk, his his real coming up party has been this year in the, in these playoffs. And Scott, you mentioned how in postseasons past, he did not excel in Calgary. David Pasternak has, has been a point-per-game guy in the playoffs with the Bruins his whole career. So knowing what we know now, it's like, yeah, it makes it tougher. But back then... Um, it's just, it's I, my answer. I guess my answer is no, I wouldn't trade Pashnak for him because I don't think that Matthew Kachuk subbing in for Pashnak help makes this team any better. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't address needs that they're going to need going forward. Like their needs going forward are center ice and, and other things. So if, yeah, if we're putting ourselves back in that time span, so the trade for Kachuk happened in July. Um, and the Bruins were still trying to, first of all, they were definitely in negotiations, heavy negotiations to re-sign Pasternak. They didn't know if Bergeron was coming back. They didn't know if Krejci was coming back. Um, at that I think, point I think in they, time. They probably did know that at the time. It just hadn't been announced yet. And yeah, they, they, either, they, either way, I, I thought that their decision came, wasn't it in August? No, Bergeron had let at least Bergeron had let them know before free agency started. So that was end of June. 
Okay. Um, and also, they actually wouldn't really have been negotiating a whole lot with Pasenak at that time because you remember, like, with everything he went through two off seasons ago, yeah. um, you know, losing his his baby son. Uh, after the season, they basically just gave him space to like go back to Europe and and have a summer. So they're they're probably talking to his agent, I would guess. Yeah, but, that's that's what yeah. I mean. I don't mean like Pasnak in person. I mean yeah. the negotiations were happening to make an extension happen. Um, it's yeah, I don't know. It's a tough question because if, if, when you think about it this way, if you ask it this way, uh. Is, does Kachuk fit the Bruins mold? Absolutely. He, he fits it perfectly. Um, where would you put him? Like if, if say that that did happen, where, where do you end up putting Kachuk in this, in this lineup? I mean, he could have either been the exact same spot as Pasternak. Like, it, you know, could have been a Zaka, Krejci, Kachuk line. Obviously you could have put him with Marcia and Bergeron. Um, I think he's kind of a player who fits anywhere, honestly. Like you look at what he's what his line has been in in Florida, and he's always been the one carrying. Like he rarely has been on a line with Barkov. It's always been with Bennett and then, you know, either Brahagi or Lusterinen or Nick Cousins or whoever on the left wing. Um, he has definitely made guys better. And you know, I guess like kind of like this idea would get the core of it is like just the attitude change or the style like is, is the way Kachuk plays. Is that more of a playoff style, more conducive to winning the playoffs? And yeah, obviously this year it has been like, he's a huge reason why the Panthers have gone on this run, but you know, to like, to now kind of answer my own question, there's a reason that I wasn't pushing to trade Pasternak for Kachuk last year. There's a reason I didn't, you know, after that deal happened between Florida and Calgary, I didn't jump on here saying, oh, the Bruins should have been doing that with, you know, giving up Pasternak. Like, no, because I wouldn't have done it at the time. So I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite and say, oh, yeah, they should have done a huge mistake or whatever. Like, one, I'm not sure it even is a mistake. I mean, we'll we'll see. Like, let's see what if Florida finishes this off. Let's see what the future holds. I still think, Pasternak can be the best player in a Stanley Cup winner. I absolutely believe that. Like, and again, their track records before this season favored Pasternak. As Brian said, he was the one who was a point per game guy in the playoffs. Kachuk was barely over half a point per game in the playoffs with Calgary. Uh, Pasternak had already had, I think, two 40 goal seasons and two more 35 plus goal seasons. Um, Kachuk had just had his first 40 goal season and, I think his career high before that was give me one second uh, was 34. And other than that, he hadn't top 30. So Pasenak had the, the track record at this point last year too. So yeah, like I, I wouldn't have done it then. And I can't sit here and say that it was a mistake not to do it, especially because they did eventually get Pasenak locked up. And now, what I will say is I think you could definitely make the case that you would rather have Kachuk at nine and a half million per year for the next uh, seven years after this versus 11.25 million for Pasenak. Like I do think 1.75 million per year is, is a fairly significant gap for players who over the last two years have basically had, you know, Kachuk's actually put up more points than Pasenak over the last two years, obviously Pasenak had a massive goal scoring year this year. Um, but like, I, I think that's fair. Like if you factor in price, but you know, again, going back to like this time last year, the Bruins probably didn't really think they were going to have to get to 11.25. Like you might've thought you were going to get him for 10 or 10 and a half. And then that gap's not as big. I mean, I'll ask this question, right? Hindsight's 2020. Let's, you know, I think we're all in agreement that, this time last year, things were different and 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 whatnot. But if you look at it as it stands right now, Kachuk's 25, Pasternak's 27. I think he just turned 27 recently. All things considered equal, 
if the point production is relatively the same going forward per season, now you can maybe Pashnak is more goal heavy than Kachuk is, but look, this year Pashnak had 61 goals. 61 goals. Okay. Total, he only had like four more points than Kachuk. So Kachuk had 64 assists, and I think he had like 40 goals, something like that. My point is if their point production is relatively the same, okay, call that a wash one way or the other. Look at the rest of their games. Kachuk is he 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 drags his team into the fight more. He's more he he he's more responsible defensively, I would say. I mean, Pashnak is a turnover machine. Absolutely, no doubt about it. And I would say I would say Kachuk because that might be a smarter player all around. So I guess going forward, who who's the better hockey player? Who's the better hockey player at all facets of the game? I mean, it's got it's 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 probably it's it, it's probably Matthew Kachuk. And I know that sounds crazy to say, but he might he might be an all around better player than David Pashnak if as long as the point production is relatively even within five ten points of each other every year. I mean, Kachuk takes the cake in the other categories, defense, intangibles, grit. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. and and to just the stats on him were, this year were 69 assists, 40 goals. Um, and I think, Brian, you're right there where it's – we're kind of at a crossroads with the two of them, don't you think? Where Pasternak has been the better player previous to – say this this playoffs now we see Kachuk ramping up to this new level well, I, I think you can even say last year like yeah. and I know there were extenuating circumstances for Pasternak hockey wasn't really the priority but like Kachuk outscored him by 27 points last year 104 yeah. to 77 I, yeah I guess what, what I'm saying is they're they're coming to uh a more similar level over the past few seasons. Kachuk is, is he about to really significantly pass him? That's what we don't know. And then that's when the hindsight becomes, you know, even more if next season um, or over the next few seasons, Kachuk just stays at this level that he was at and brings what he can bring. And he does have more intangibles. Um, Just personality wise, he's, he, thinks a lot differently uh than than Pasternak does but um and then but then you could also say in hindsight if if the Bruins were unsure whether or not they were actually going to be able to sign Pasternak wouldn't that have been the perfect time to deal him for someone like Chuck yeah if if there was real uncertainty then yeah definitely like should have should have considered it but I think they were always pretty confident they were going to get a deal done. Like, I think they knew there was mutual interest and eventually they would find the landing spot. Um, So like, that's another factor too, is I don't think, I don't think Florida believed they were going to be able to re-sign Jonathan Huberto. He had one year left and I think they knew he was gone. And I think they knew he was going to test free agency. So like, that's another factor. Like Florida, it was, easier for them to take this risk because yeah, Jonathan Huberto just had an awesome season. He had what, like 115 points or, or something that year. Um, but if they figured they can trade for Kachuk, who was a restricted free agent. So there was some team control, like it made all sense in the world for them to do that because they probably thought, well, we're going to lose Huberto in a year anyway. So we might as well get Kachuk and see if we can lock him up long-term. Whereas, yeah, it's a little different if you're the Bruins and you, if you're fairly confident you're going to resign Pasternak, then it's like, well, you know, what are we really going to take the risk of, of trading him for? Whereas if there was any uncertainty, then obviously, yes, it becomes uh, more of a possibility and more of something that, you know, they would have had to have considered. And don't, don't you think too, not to go down this road too long because we have other things to talk about, but um if you think about it contractually, Scott, you mentioned the difference in cap hit for, for both of the guys. The contract that Kachuk's under just gives the team a, that extra amount of flexibility to do other things with too, which can be a difference in trying to put together that complete roster at the end of the day. So um, Pasternak's contract does handcuff the Bruins more 
than the deal that was able to be made for Kachuk. And you could probably make the case that Kachuk should be making more, but you got him, you got him for the contract. You got him at, was it nine, nine million, nine and a half, which is Um, honestly like already one of the steals of the league given what he's given Florida in one year. And I mean, if he keeps it up, then it, it only looks like even more of a steal going forward. Yeah, and so then you you have a competitive advantage in that way too when you're building a team around that you have a little bit more flexibility to to add around him as long as long as you don't end up with uh, an equal amount of stupid contracts on the books. So what what uh what would we decide to to go to here? I think we probably discuss enough about that hypothetical situation i don't know if we even gave like real clear concise answers i think we all kind of were like we don't really know <laughs> but well, um, it's really more it's just in hindsight we all the agree. merits of it yeah. and to say that it was a closer call than people had thought of like I, yeah i i would not have done it last year and i don't like contradicting myself because i feel like i try to make sure i think through my takes at the time and I wouldn't have done it last year, so I'm not going to sit here and change my mind now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, after all said and done, what we just mentioned, why it was, why maybe Kachuk would have been a, a, a great idea. I just don't think, at, like Scott said, at the time they were, I think they must have been very confident about locking up Pasenak for the long term. Otherwise, it would have been a, a much tougher decision, like we mentioned. And so the other thing that we wanted to get to was one of the comments we had on our YouTube last week to, to switch subjects um, now back to the Bruins and the roster that they're going to, the moves they might have to make this off season. Um, We had talked a lot about Bertuzzi and do you trade all Mark in order to, create space, cap space to try to sign Bertuzzi. There's two comments that came across. One was that you gave up so much for Bertuzzi. You gave up a first and a fourth round draft pick for Bertuzzi at the trade deadline, and you only had him for three months. Um, But then comment to that underneath that was, well, think about it. If you have a goalie that is as good as all Marcus when he's healthy, that kind of a player could steal a playoff series. That kind of player, a goalie getting hot, could win you a Stanley Cup. Whereas even if Bertuzzi's playing at the peak of what he can possibly play, probably his individual effort doesn't win you a cup. So uh, just a little bit of comments and and things that were added to the discussion about the Bertuzzi and and Allmark topics that we talked about last week. Yeah, so I guess my response to that would be, yeah, in a vacuum, Allmark playing the way he did this season is more valuable than anything Bertuzzi can bring you. However, Allmark has had two chances as a starter in a playoff series now and has lost the starting job before the end of the series in both cases, and the Bruins have lost both series. So, yes, he could get hot and win your Stanley Cup, but he's now, let's just be honest, he's failed the two attempts he's had uh, to be a playoff starter for the Bruins. Um, Bertuzzi, meanwhile, tied for the team lead in points in his only playoff series as a Bruin. So, yeah, in a vacuum, like, that comment is right. Allmark and the goalie position is more valuable. But the other question is like, okay, what do you, what do you have in their place? You know, if you're moving on from one or the other and in goal, I'll still take my chances with Jeremy Swayman as my starter. And whether it's Brandon Bussey or, you know, veteran free agent backup X, um, I think I'm still going to feel pretty good about my goaltending. And I probably still feel pretty good about my wings, even if Bertuzzi isn't re-signed. But as I've said before, like 
part of it is also planning for the future. And you can lock up Bertuzzi through his prime years and have him, you know, if you're going to have like a year or two reset, if Bergeron and Krejci retire, you have him on the other side of that. Elmark's a free agent in two years, so you might not have him on the other side of it. So that's also a factor in terms of like piecing together a roster, not just for next season, but planning several years ahead is where I think the real value lies in Bertuzzi because he is still in his twenties. He's still in his prime. And I think you can have him as sort of a core part of this team for years to come, not just the next one or two years. Um, Whereas, you know, I don't think Allmark really fits into that puzzle because even if you came for another year, like at some point you're, you know, you're not keeping Allmark and Swayman together for like six years. Like at some point you have to split that up and you're probably not re-signing Allmark when his deal's up in two years. So it's, it's just a smaller window. So um, it goes beyond just like looking at their seasons this past year and saying who brought more value. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go quickly because I have a lawnmower guy out, out front uh, just going to town right now. So I echo everything Scott said. I would agree with that. The Another a comment I would, I would add on would be, um, yeah, the goalie position is capable of, of, of stealing a Stanley Cup as opposed to another singular player. But I think goalies are far more replaceable than there it is. You got that one in the background? Easy, lawnmower. So, um I just I actually that, couldn't really hear it, honestly. Really? Yeah. I'm like, it's piercing right now. I, I feel like it's like <laughs> in my ear. So that's good to know, though. Um, yeah, like, like it's far. I think it's far easier to come across a, a goalie. How many times do you see a, a third string goalie go on a good run or, or a journeyman goalie, like bring a team deep? And like it's goalies are. I don't want to call them a dime a dozen, but they're a dime a dozen. And. I just feel like a player like Bertuzzi doesn't come across very often. So yeah, the goalie position in general is the most important position, but I don't think that necessarily the, the, the individual goalies are, are irreplaceable. Um, I think, I think you can find somebody, you can find somebody in the minors that can, that you can groom and, and, and adequately do the job for you. So, or be capable of, of, of being that guy on, on, on one run any given year. So yeah, I, and and in addition to everything Scott said, that's that's the only thing I would add on is I just feel like it's it's easier to replace than somebody like Bertuzzi. Like he's a very very effective player. And it'd be different if they didn't have an idea who that replacement would be, but they know what they have in Swayman. It's not like this is we've only seen Swayman for half a season, and you know he might be the next guy, he might not be. Like we've had a big enough sample size with Swayman to know that he's ready to take over a starting goaltending position if they need him to, and that he's honestly good enough to compete with the top goalies in the league. Um, I think I mentioned this before. It comes down to redundancy for me. Uh, they, You got two great goalies, and it worked out for you this year, the whole regular season, but what difference did it make in the playoffs? No, it didn't make a difference in the playoffs because, I mean, you can argue that's on the coaches to not see that they needed to make the change when they did. But if you're not going to use it to your advantage, then you need to find another way to win and, and, and think about it differently. And I, well, in our conversation with Mark Dibber as well, Brennan Busty seems like he's got a lot of promise coming up the system. Maybe not this next season. Maybe you get a veteran backup for a year and then Bussy's ready, but you want to start kind of doing what, they were doing with Swayman when he first came came into Boston, which is testing him out, seeing what his NHL readiness is. Um, and so you give Bussy a chance to develop as well if you go with Swayman as your number one, open up cap space with Allmark, and start rotating, seeing what your your next tandem might be with Bussy and seeing what you have there. So, um, yeah. While the point is taken that a goalie, a great goalie can win you a series or or a Stanley Cup, they also have to be mentally tough enough for the playoffs. And Allmark hasn't made he hasn't made that case for himself yet. Um, I honestly think Swayman might be the 
more mentally tough of the two of them. He seems to get over things pretty quickly. He's kind of got that short memory. I know all goalies say they have, but you can actually see that those things affect Swayman less, I think. Um, to get to the Bertuzzi half of it, um, yeah, Bertuzzi is kind of a special player in what he brings. Uh, there's no one else on the Bruins right now that really necessarily brings the same skill set that he does. And and you can, if you can keep him for longer with Allmark's contract coming to a close here in two years, uh, I I still like Bertuzzi. Even if you have to trade Allmark, I still think that's the move. <laughs> I think that your best trade option in the offseason is Allmark. It's just because of the value that he has right now. And they're in a situation where they need to get rid of cap. And that's, that's an option you have right there. Yeah. And we should say like, obviously we've covered this on previous episodes, but if this is like the first one, someone's listened to this off season, we understand it's not, you know, trading Allmark isn't the requirement to, to keep Bertuzzi. There's other options, other ways to free up money, whether it's, Taylor Hall or a couple defensemen or whatever. Um, but this was just, you know, obviously the the hypothetical posed. And I do think it could ultimately be the move because as we said, like Allmark in theory would be the, the piece that has the most value in terms of guys, you know, actually making real money. So um, yeah, like I could absolutely see them exploring the market for a Grizzlick, Forbert, Riley, not really liking anything out there, exploring the market for Hall, realizing, hey, maybe there's not as many teams as we thought who can take on, you know, a 30-something forward with a $6 million cap hit. And then they find, oh, there is real interest for Lena Selmark. Like, I I could see things kind of playing out that way where it's, they're going to explore all these options and maybe Allmark's the one where they're like, okay, we can actually get what we consider fair value in return. So, And they need picks. <laughs> yeah. We've gone over this several times. They've traded away so many picks. They need they need to try to get those back um, at some point. And I don't think you're you're not trading Grizzly for a first-round pick. You're, like, you might be able to trade Allmark for that, though. So, I mean, he's going to be a 29-year-old reigning Vesna Trophy winner. Mm-hmm. That his value is will never be higher, and he's not a, he's not part of the Bruins' long term future. You guys mentioned it; he has two years left. He's a he's a 29 year old impending Vesna Trophy winner who has shown nothing but collapse when it comes to the playoffs. And you know, I'll be honest i didn't I didn't love his. I, I mentioned this at the time. Like i I just I just I didn't love his responses post 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 games uh, in the in the playoffs at times. Like. You know, you, you literally there's a million different players over the course of 60 plus minutes that that decide a hockey game, right? It's not just one play. But in game five, the Grizzlick Allmark blunder at the end of the game literally led to the game winning goal. So you have to say that play did cost him the game. And after the game, the media is asking, how, how do you feel about that? Whatever. And 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 his response is, I'm feeling good, thanks. How are you? Like just being sarcastic. And I just I didn't like that because even though he's trying to act like nothing's going on, nothing's bothering him. It's just it, like, he's going to move on. It's what it is. Shit happens. Like I, I want to see, I wanted to hear some accountability. I wanted to hear like, yeah, like I let my team down there. I'm going to come back in game six. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure he was saying that behind closed doors, but I just, to your point, Bridget, about Jeremy Swayman, like when Jeremy Swayman talks to the media, you can just tell he means what he says. And I just, I just don't like that snarky, sarcastic, goalie because it just it, it comes across to me like they let they're 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 trying to prove that things don't get to them which tells me things get to them like yeah. you know what i'm trying to say if that makes sense i do yes yeah no i know exactly what you're saying because i we see it when we when we talk to the guys and swayman probably comes out if if something like that happens to swayman he probably comes out and says i really let the team down and really like reflectively immediately after would would be saying like I the, uh, putting the blame on himself because he's not going to want to blame other people like, and then I can see him rebounding from it a little bit better. Like he, 
I don't know. He's a more mentally tough person, I think. Um, and you need that in a goalie. Um, and I think he's, I think he's a great option for them as an, as a number one. I think if you put him in the series sooner, maybe it, you know, maybe, maybe different outcome for the Bruins. This was something we covered about a month ago when the season ended. So we don't need to get into it again. My last question about the Bertuzzi Olmark thing, I'll go to Scott here. Timing wise, Bertuzzi free agency will open. Um, Bertuzzi's obviously going to test the market. Um, he is going to raise his value. Um, so I don't, I don't see the Bruins signing him before free agency. He's not stupid. His agent's not stupid. He's going to go out well, on the free market. I mean, unless he wants to stay in the Bruins and make a, a, what they believe is a fair offer. Like it's not, it's not a question that happens every year that, you know, guys that would be one of the top free agents on the market gets locked up last minute. And usually it's, you know, usually a lot of that stuff happens right around the draft because that's kind of when you get a better idea of, okay, we made this trade, we freed up this money or whatever. Like, yeah, right. Bruins couldn't do it right now, but if, or when they, you know, potentially trade someone leading up to the draft and during the draft, like you could see them turn around in the, you know, couple days in between the draft and the start of free agency and, and get something done. Like if, um, you know, presumably they'll know kind of what the price range is that, that they have to get to. So if they got there, like I, I could see Bertuzzi signing a deal before the start of free agency, but. Um, and timing he, wise for Olmark, that would be a deal made before the draft as well. You would think, I mean. If they wanted an immediate pick. If they could get yeah. a, a first round pick in this year's draft, then that would mean they would be looking to start move them. Practice. Draft is the end of June. Free agency starts July 1st. Um, yeah, I mean, you do see some deals get done after the draft, like that big Kachuk Huberto trade that was after the draft, and there was a first-round pick involved in that. It just was the next year's first-round pick. So, um, you know, for the Bruins, like, they don't have a first-round pick next year either. So I think getting that would still be of value. You know, either way, like, you're – unless you're getting like a really high pick, which I don't think is probably in play, you're not drafting someone who's going to make an impact this year anyways. So um, yeah, you, you'd probably prefer to get a first round pick this year. I will just say straight up, like I don't know enough about next year's draft class to know if it's considered stronger or weaker than this year's uh, have, have not had a chance to look that far ahead yet. Um, but I think there would still be value to them of getting one next year because they don't have one next year either. All right, Bridget, Scott, are there any final questions we should attend to before, before we log off? No, but once again, send us your, or comment on our YouTube, send us, email us your questions, uh, tweet at us, whatever, whatever you want to do. Um, so yeah. that, hey skate pod at wei.com or at the skate pod on twitter yes thank you scott um and we'll try to answer questions as the weeks roll on here very and, good and again keep keep your eye out for burns and news this weekend because i'm gonna be away and stuff tends to happen when i'm away so 